to have Rush on your side. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Hour number two, five minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. We take you until noon. Murph and Andy coming up uh, at 1 o'clock. The Fanatics uh, in at 3. Working on Matt Snyder. He's in Denver covering uh, the All-Star festivities. Got there yesterday for the Futures game. Home run derby goes tonight. All-Star game tomorrow. Uh, And then baseball resumes. Only one game on Thursday night. Yep, you guessed it. Yank Sox. On Thursday night, that's the uh, standalone game. Um, home run derby tonight. I saw Matt Snyder, and maybe this is on the DraftKings or the Bet Rivers app. The over under is five hundred ten and a half feet. Oh, really? <laughs> Denver, no humidor. Let's go to Denver. Matt Snyder is there. Matt did uh, five hundred ten and a half feet, and you took the pitch picture from your perch out in right field. Got a great spot to watch the All Star game. I know you're not behind home plate, but every all the media can't fit there. So you're out in the auxiliary press box. Uh, you got a pretty good, uh, pretty good sl- uh, spot for home run derby, and balls will be flying in your direction, sir. Yeah, the the only thing I, I'm worried about is there's a little bit of an overhang, uh, so I feel like if anybody hits it that far, that it's going to go up on the deck above me. So I. I think I'm kind of going to get screwed out of getting any balls. But I, I love the action on the over-under being 5'10.5". That's an amazingly huge number. So fun. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Love it. One other thing, I was reading an article, I think it was The Athletic, kind of taking a little deeper dive into what makes the altitude what it is, the humidor and those effects, and also side spin on the baseball, something that in home run derbies a lot of guys struggle with because they're trying to yank the ball so much and you get a lot of that side spin. Well, in altitude, side spin doesn't matter as much here. I don't know. I don't have a number. I was thinking back, Bobby Abreu had that ridiculous round where I think he had like 17. Well, we had uh, Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton, Hamilton too, yeah. But are we trending to having... A night like that that we're going to remember might not even be the champion, but somebody just putting on a display like we've never seen before. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it, look. I, I honestly think that the last home run derby was the best one of all time. I, I think you know, in, in Cleveland, Vlad Jr. put on an absolute show. Uh, he had Jock Peterson and Vlad. A lot of people forget Jock Peterson. They went round and round and round. They had three different tiebreakers in the second round, and then Pete Alonzo walked it off yep. against Vlad yeah. in the finals. So, yeah, I thought that was amazing. The clock now, whoever came up with that, I just want to hug them right. and say thank you so much for putting the clock in because it became a colossal bore. And I'll admit this now because it was uh, <laughs> seven years ago at this point. But in 2014, I legitimately, in the middle of the derby, packed up and went back to my hotel. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit, like I said, seven years ago, so I'll admit it. But I just, it, it with the taking pitches and standing around, yes. it just got, oh my gosh, it was ridiculous. But now once they put the clock in, the first year in Cincinnati, Todd Frazier walked it off in front of the home fans. Cincinnati, 
2018, we had Bryce Harper walking it off in D.C. in front of the home fans. It's so fun now. Uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, I am too. And this was an event, like you say, a few years ago it had lost me. Uh, but uh, 2019, the final, the, the last year that it was held, uh, Guerrero and Jock Peterson, that was a hell of a show. I thought uh, Vladdy Jr. Uh, took a lot of uh, wind out of his sails when he got to the end and Alonzo was able to sneak in and steal it. Are we overlooking him tonight, Matt? I mean, here's the defending champion. Um, we can bet in the state of Iowa. You can bet in Colorado. You can bet where you're from in Illinois. Um, are we overlooking Pete Alonso maybe on the, to repeat? Nah, I don't. He's think getting so. hot. I mean, I think he, he's gonna he's gonna put on a show, but I think it's all about Shohei, Shohei Otani yeah. and Joey Gallo. I, I mean, Otani, he is the show right now. Mm-hmm. Both the home run derby and the All Star game. Otani is the show. But if you're talking about just the home run derby, no one in baseball has more raw power than Joey Gallo. So I feel like it's those two guys, which means inevitably they're probably both going to get knocked out in the first round or something. But I feel like it's all about those two guys, and I really hope they beat the finals because I think it's going to be an absolute show with those two. Uh, I've been there to Coors Field once, Matt, and it's probably, oh God, it's 25 years ago now. That's crazy. Um, but my, my question is, is there an advantage to a left-hander? I mean, does, is left field or right field more conducive to home runs? I don't remember. No, I, I don't think they're. I don't think it goes either way. So um, it, it's funny you mentioned twenty five years ago. Good trivia question. It's unbelievable. This is the case. The third oldest ballpark in the National League is Coors wow, Field. That's nice. after Wrigley and Dodger. Dodger, Stadium, yeah. The next Jeez. oldest ballpark is Coors Field. How ridiculous <laughs> is that? Really? I was at Mile High Stadium for the first ever game. There was. Myself and 82,000 others That's that were awesome. there. The, the Expos were in town. Kent Bottenfield towed the rubber uh, for the uh, for the Expos nice. in, that, in that game anyways. Well, home run derby, it'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Otani, he is going to be the star. Looking towards Tuesday, this is the guy that they need to be spotlighting. This mm-hmm. is the guy that is going to bring in the casual fan. Is there a concern, though, from, I don't know, outside of people that just love the sport that... Maybe it's going too much that the Otani love. There are what fifty other guys that are going to be playing in this game. Um, I don't think so. I, I honestly like we've seen the Mike Trout effect with how the Angels just don't garner that much public attention, and I, I think that the same probably goes for Otani at this point. They're not on national TV that much. Um, I, I still think you can't spotlight this guy enough. And uh, beyond that, people like Fernando Tatis Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., I think they're going to get plenty of love during the game itself. And uh, I think there's going to be players mic'd up and on the broadcast mm-hmm. other than Otani. I, so, no, I, think, I don't think I have many concerns on that front. Mm. Well, we're at the, uh, I guess, the technically the the midway point uh, of the baseball season boy it, you know what it seems like on the surface and i hope i'm wrong there i don't there's six divisions can you find intrigue as far as the as who's going to win the division in maybe more than two of the 
of the six, it, it looks to me like, yeah, out west in the National League, the Giants and the Dodgers are gonna are gonna battle it out. I think the Brewers are home free, although the Reds are playing very well right now uh, with the injury to the to the Braves. It looks like the Mets are gonna do it. The Astros, the White Sox are clearly in the driver's seat. I'm not sure what the intrigue is going to be down the stretch. What about you, Matt? Yeah, we'll see. Um, AL West. I think uh, okay. the Astros probably have that as well. Um, AL Central is going to be a joke. The White Sox are going to win by double digits. NL Central, yeah. I mean, the only thing is I still am not totally sold on the Brewers. But, man, I mean, I'm not really sold on anybody else either. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just the NL West where maybe it could be three teams. Um, and if the Mets continue to struggle – to put some distance between themselves and the other teams, maybe something happens there. But I mean, the, the biggest the, the biggest threat was probably going to be the Braves. But now that Acuna tore his ACL, it's it's hard to have much faith there. So I, I, you're not totally off base. There's not a lot of great division races. It doesn't look like. Do you get into the MLB draft at all? I, I... no. It's so no, difficult, I, and no. I like college yeah. baseball. I don't love it. I enjoy it, though, from time to time. College World Series is fun, but I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like there's ever going to be a way. Look, it's never going to, coach, of course, catch the NFL, but even the NBA, it's just so different. Is there anything more that MLB can do to make it a bigger event? It feels like maybe they kind of tapped out as the most they can do. No, if anything, they should do less. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying so hard to make it a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather... Spotlight the Futures game. If we're going to do it all yeah. this weekend, I would rather try to spotlight the Futures game than the draft. Because now we've had a, we've had guys playing professionally for a few years. Right. You know which guys look like they're going to be future All-Stars. Let's give them a spotlight, and it's actually action. Um, it, it, instead, it's, it's a draft where... I just if you just go back to 2016 and the Phillies had the number one overall pick and they took Mickey Moniak... Mm. Uh, the, the the highest hope for him right now is to be a fourth outfielder in the big, if he can even stick in the bigs. He was the number one overall pick. That kind of sums it up for me, you know, how, how hit or miss it can be. Hmm. Uh, any blowback from the seemingly um, number of players that recently are, are pulling out of this event late? The All-Star game I'm referring to tomorrow seems like the Astros. They, they, they're not Everybody's really... out from the Astros, Yeah, right? they're all gone, I believe. <laughs> uh, but yeah. what, what's Major League Baseball saying about this? Uh, are, it's starting to take on kind of Pro Bowl tendencies. You know, nobody, you, you get named to it, and then the teams don't look anything like the guys that originally named to it. It's not that to that extent yet, but it seems, Matt, that there's more this year than in previous years. It does. It does seem like it. I, I some of it I, I kind of attribute to how weird last year was and how many more injuries there are this year. And I, I think a lot of guys are worried about, you know, hey, I didn't have the full one sixty two last year. I just want to make this year work. So uh, long term wise, I'm not that worried about it yet. If we have a lot of people next year doing the same thing, I might get a little more worried about it. But for right now, I think a lot of people are kind of viewing it as as a, a bit of a one-off and, hey, you know, maybe things will change next year. I, I, I wish more guys wanted to do it, but I understand. It's such a grind. Yeah. It's unlike any other sport. So I, I get I get wanting the few days off. Matt, I want to go to the series of the weekend. It was Yankees-Astros, a lot of awesome. back and forth. You got 
Cole out on the mound and telling Boone in no uncertain terms that he's not leaving the baseball game. And it doesn't matter if it takes 129 pitches to finish that one out. Altuve with the home run. They rip his jersey off to show there was nothing underneath the jerseys. He's coming across well, did home plate. you see the night before yeah, we judged it? And isn't he shy? Oh, that's right. <laughs> it was awesome, Matt. Just yeah. Your thoughts overall on the weekend? <laughs> Uh, fun series, yeah. and uh, it, it showed how full of the, the Astros are and all their excuses on not yeah. winning group. It, it makes it, look. I'll, I'll simply say this: I'm very, very sure that Altuve had a role as Chapman's pitch in the walk-off ALCS home run. Mm-hmm. I, I, to see him stay back in a breaking ball like that, and then make sure nobody tore off his jersey, he had the pitch. Yeah. It's as simple as that to me. Uh, and it's fun. In hindsight, now, I mean, they're cracking down now, whatever. But I mean, don't don't tell me you had a tattoo you didn't want anybody to see. Don't tell me you're shy, right. and then now get your jersey ripped off yesterday. Give me a break with that. That's, that's a that's, great whatever. Point. That's oh, man, I'm so glad I forgot about that uh, uh, little tentacle of the story that he was shy and he had a tattoo. There's no tattoo. Where, no, where was it? On, no. Where was it's it yesterday? <laughs> right, that, that's but it was a good series. I mean, Judge, uh, Judge doing his thing, pulling his jersey, or warning his teammates not to rip it off in jest. And that was and, and the Garrett Cole outing, yeah. as you guys noted, that was a big boy outing. Yeah, it was. He needed it too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did because I think a lot of people were starting to say he's been terrible since the sticky, sticky, sticky tough crackdown. So he's obviously been cheating all this time. You no, know, he went out and shoved and showed that he he hasn't been. He was it was on his game, that's for sure. Did you see Judge his uh, response? They asked him about the jersey tug after the game. I, yeah, I got yeah. the, I got the audio here for the audience because it is great. They asked, you know, well, were you sending a message with this? Here's what Judge said. Oh no, it's it's whenever they keep the roof close here, it's pretty chilly. So it's just <laughs> you know let my team know to button up a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's good. It was. You know what? And that's the first time they've been back, correct, Matt? That's the first time since the uh, since the playoffs, yep. uh, right? Because of last year? Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's the first time. I, I, I wish that, that the Yankees were on more of a, a playoff track. Me too. I, I feel like that could be an incredible playoff series with, with all the gamesmanship there. Boone or Cashman, more likely to be fired before the end of the season? Seems like both oh, are yeah. uh, very, very safe because you haven't heard of anything. Uh, I'll, I'll say Boone because it, it just seems like Cashman is really, really kind of firmly held in that organization. But if I if I said who I think should be on more of a hot seat, I think it should be Cashman. Uh, he's in charge of the personnel, and the personnel mm-hmm. is what's failing. Yep, indeed. So, uh, last thing for you, Matt. Uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us here from Denver. How is Denver uh, receiving the All Star Game? It's been what ninety eight or ninety seven, ninety eight since they uh, they had one shortly after uh, Coors Field opened. Uh, seem to be some people at the Futures Game. We know tonight's going to be banged out. Uh, does this seem like a big time event in the city of Denver? Um, I'll probably find out more here in a few hours, but I think so. So far, it's a uh, it's very nice downtown. A lot of people seemed like they were really excited yesterday. Uh, there's a place called McGregor's Square right across from the ballpark. That's really cool. They had a huge video board airing the draft after the 
after the uh, softball game, the celebrity softball game, which will air on ESPN tonight, but they actually recorded it last night. But uh, a lot of people were watching it. It, it, Yeah, it it seems really big, but like the the Sunday is always kind of like the the undercard. Mm -hmm. So the the main event is the next two days. So we'll see. But yeah, I think so. I think it's, I think it's really good. Well, you've got a great seat for tonight for Home Run Derby as you're in the auxiliary press box out in right field at Coors Field uh, to catch it all. You can follow Matt on Twitter, Matt Snyder, CBS, Matt Snyder, CBS on Twitter. Uh, and we appreciate you coming on, Matt. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy tomorrow. We'll read uh, read your recaps of it, etc. at cbssports.com. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Matt. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you do. Matt Snyder joining us from Denver. He's got a great seat. That's awesome. It really is. Um, 510. Well, you know, we'll save it for your play of the day because we got to get Scott Darkerman in here. Yes, we do. He's got a another appointment that he has to be off in time for, and we'll certainly help him do that. But right now, it's time to go for the green on KXNO. Win $1,000 right now by texting the keyword GAME to 200-200. That's GAME to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. GAME to 200-200. Scott Dockerman next. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106- If you plan to buy a franchise business or you're thinking of starting a new franchise, there's a lawyer right here in Central Iowa that can help you through the process. Rush Niggett, a Brick Gentry Law PC, has set up an affordable service to help individuals considering buying or starting a franchise business. Learn more online at RushOnBusiness.com. Let Rush Niggett help you buy or start your franchise. Rush Niggett, the franchise lawyer with Brick Gentry Law PC. It's good to the burbs. A business name is important, sure. For one, it's how we connect with you, find you, and do business with you. But what's behind the name matters more. Roshan Corporation of Iowa is now Graphite Construction Group. We're building offices, retail centers, tenant improvements, schools, and more. But the most important thing we build? Our relationship with you. Let's get started on your construction project. Visit us at graphitegrp.com. 1-800-BETS-OFF. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Let's get Scott Darkerman in here. He's been busy. He wrote the uh, state of the program for the Gophers. I'll pick his brain on that here coming up, but uh, he joins the program right now. Trent, uh, Trent and Ken here with you, Scott. Thank you for coming on. How are you, Doc? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing today? Doing well, and I know we have limited time with you, so we want to cram as much in as we possibly can. Uh, I want to start with your piece today. I thought it was a really deep dive uh, into the, as you referred to them, the uh, the tweaks, the the breaks and tendencies uh, that the offense has undergone the last couple of years and the positive results that have come along with it, Doc. How about highlighting a couple of those? Yeah, I, I would say that looking back, um, I always kept all kinds of different statistics on things like, uh, and I did it myself and it took forever, but on like personnel groupings, on down distance and, uh, you know, what they did. And, and, you know, really when I looked back at the Greg Davis era in, in, uh, the 2016 season, 
75, uh, out of the final 75 passes that they were in three wide receiver on third down, or 75 plays, they passed on 74 of them were called kick passing plays. Some ended up in sacks. And that is the most predictable stat I think I think I've ever ran into. And so what I wanted to do was, along with those and some others, really cross up to see how is Iowa adapting from that kind of incredible tendencies. And, uh, you know, in looking at Brian Ferentz, the things have changed quite a bit. I mean, last year it was 68%. And usually when you're on third down, it's a lot of times it's third and long or even third and medium. You do it's a passing down, so the teams are going to pass more than that. But in, in uh, yeah, out of uh, Greg Davis, it was ninety four point five percent of the time they actually uh, passed or ran the ball, or passed the ball, and then with with uh, Kirk or Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator, it's been sixty eight percent. So that's really been a big change. And then last year when they went to Wildcat and more jet sweep motion. I mean, they're averaging, when they use one or the other, or sometimes both, seven yards of carry. And that changed the whole complexion of the running game where they went to, they, they ended up finishing right around 4.62 yards per carry, which is the most that they've had since Sean Green. So there's a lot of different little tweaks and changes that they've made on offense that's really helped further them along as a, as a unit. You know, a lot of interesting numbers that came out of there. Speaking of the tight end position, we go back to a couple of years ago when you had Dola Fant and TJ Hawkinson. Makes sense that they had two tight ends or more out there 61.2% of the time. Last year, that number was at 37.7%. Do you anticipate in 2021 that number is going to be higher or lower than what we saw a year ago? I would say higher. I think that's probably going to be in, in probably the, the low to mid 40s, Trent. And and part of that is because uh, last year and, and two years ago, the strength of the offense from a skill position standpoint was a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. When you had four pretty good wide receivers you could throw out there, you're going to do that more than two tight ends. Now, when you had two tight ends that were first-round draft picks, you know, 61% shoot, I would have, if I were them, if you want to go with, you know, outside of tendency, I would go 80% on that. I, I think that was probably what they should have been doing. But yeah. that, that said, based on the tendency, it makes sense. So I, I would expect the, the two tight end stats to grow to be in the low 40s. Um, one type of uh, formation or, or personnel grouping that they threw out there a lot last year was, was with fullback. And in the past, I've been very critical of fullback because they haven't done very well with that. But last year, they averaged 5.1 yards per carry when a fullback was on the field, which means, you know, Monty Potabom is a killer, is a blocker. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. But but also the, the fact that um, that with the changes in the jet sweeps and the motion, that there was a little bit more uncertainty at the second level. And that allowed the fullback to get into the second level and make some really critical blocks that really weren't there before because there was no hesitancy on those linebackers' part. Doc, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the parts of the piece that um, it made me think a little bit was it reminded me. I mean, I can remember talking about, you know, Spencer Petras. Oh, he didn't have an offseason. Uh, he's going into this and he really hasn't had much opportunity to develop and to build the chemistry. I, I'm wondering if we're overlooking that, and, and fans may be overlooking that when they, when they think about their quarterback, Spencer Petras, this year, that he has had to, he's got to check those offseason boxes as a starting quarterback normally would have prior to being thrown into the Wolves of a Big Ten season last year. Maybe, perhaps, um, could we be overlooking the fact that Petras does have another level for that very reason? 
you'd expect him to improve no matter what. Uh, he has one year under his belt, and, uh, you know, he struggled, frankly, you know, quite a bit. We all know that. But he also had some high moments as well. So I, I would expect him to make those strides. And, you know, really the one thing that stands out about him to me is this offseason, he wants to be great. He's t- you know, twice he's went to, you know, a quarterback whisperer guru mm-hmm. and, and Tony Rassiopi, who also helped uh, Nate Stanley after – uh, his senior season, and and Tony Rassiopi helps a lot of quarterbacks, including you know Joe Flacco and other players, because he's kind of like a tutor. And you know, Ken O'Keefe's not allowed to help uh, you know, Spencer Petras right now, so he's trying to get a jump start on his fundamentals. And he already knows the game pretty well. And now it's just a matter of, uh, I think, in some ways, not pressing as much as he has previously, but also just letting it low and, and be quicker with his decision making and allow and, and become better when the plays drag on a little bit and and so yes i expect him to make major strides just about every quarterback has done that from their sophomore to junior season uh he does have some competition in alex badia but i think spencer petrus is he's built for that competition it's just a matter of can he do it and uh I, i'm not going to say yay or nay but i'm going to say he's making every effort to try to that running game continues to see the improvements that we saw a year ago. Going to make mm-hmm. it easier also yep. for Petrus. We saw Potomom kind of make that step forward at the fullback position. Of course, Tyler Goodson, outstanding in his own right. What other area I wanted to go with the offense, though? And it's something I remember you and Mark Morehouse talking about a lot when they were completely locked in. It was zone blocking all the time. And that has shifted and changed at least a little bit. You'll see some more straight up or gap blocking happening more and more with Iowa. Do you have any numbers on that? How often they go away from the zone scheme and do do kind of the old school straight up blocking i don't have that myself that's probably more of a pff type yeah. of, of evaluation but I, I will say they they largely go with uh with zone blocking and it wasn't working until last year it started to fade and a lot of that was the predictability without having those jet sweeps and, and another aspect that i kind of included was you know, the, the, the loose or rough interpretation by officials on cut blocking that a lot of times with the zone, if you're a backside guard, you're trying to cut sometimes the nose tackle or a second-level uh, linebacker that's near the line of scrimmage, and you can't do that as effectively now because they they, they look at it and interpret it in a way that is is a horrible disadvantage for Iowa. So in order to get those to those blocks, they got to do something different, and that's why they, they switched a little bit more to some of that jet sweep action or or uh, even the wildcat and a lot of that was based on what brian ferris saw in the offseason a year ago a year plus ago which was you know the san francisco 49ers minnesota vikings los angeles rams that all incorporate that style of blocking so it's really effective and what they do a lot of times is okay make sure that the tight end or even the fullback seals off the backside instead so that you can enable uh, you're running back to have a little more space and not have to worry about getting tra- tackled before the cutback, or uh, force the the second level to have to just see things a little bit differently, chase ghosts, if you will, and and so I think that th- those kind of diversions really enabled their zone scheme to catch up and actually perform as well as it had since Sean Green was there, and with Tyler Goodson, who I think is a tremendous back, yep. um, and if they can, if their if their offensive line can can continue to play well. I mean, this, I think this is what we're going to see more and more in the future. Uh, Doc, uh, you did the state of the program for the Gophers. When, when you did so, 
you know, Trent and I have been trying to find, well, if it's not Wisconsin or Iowa, who's it going to be? Well, Northwestern pops up every now and then. Maybe it's them. I think it might be the team to the north of us because, look, last year they weren't very good. Their three wins were over teams they should beat, right? Uh, Illinois, Purdue, uh, and Nebraska. They beat Nebraska, and as your article pointed out, they left 35 guys at home due to COVID. Played Wisconsin tough uh, in the final game of the year. Um if it would have, should have, perhaps the axe would have gone back to Minnesota, but it didn't. Tanner Morgan has to be better. They've got a really good running back in Ibrahim. You pointed out the offensive line. You won't find many bigger unless you're watching football on Sundays. Might be we sleeping uh, on on this uh, Minnesota team. If Morgan can take a step, uh, they underachieved last year. What did you learn about Minnesota when you did the state of the program? Yeah, I mean, last year, that's probably a year with them more than even most teams, including Iowa. I think with Minnesota, you almost throw it out uh, because they had so many issues with COVID and and uh, just all these other things that kind of crept in there. Um, so I, I think they provided a lot as far as effort goes. And so when you look at how they performed late in the year, that they did get better, especially on defense, because early on they were just a disaster defensively. I mean, it was like playing 11 on 9. You know, in a lot of cases, I mean, you know, against Maryland, against Iowa, Michigan, I mean, they just could didn't even mount much resistance. So they got better there. And what it showed me with this team is that they've got a great running back and a big physical offensive line. That's going to win you some games no matter what. They've got a quarterback that has proven he can do it. Now he's got to do it, though, with without the benefit of NFL bona fide wide receivers. Two years ago was Tyler Johnson, mm-hmm. last year Rashad Bateman. And uh, they've got one that I think is really good, and Chris Hoffman Bell. The rest of them are kind of unproven. They don't have much at tight end. I, but I do think if Morgan can resume to baby his 19 status, they had a different offensive coordinator last year, if they can get something more out of that, I think that they'll be pretty good offensively. The real difference for them is going to be defensively. They they were probably the worst team in the Big Ten at linebacker. Uh, they didn't have a lot up front, and uh, their secondary was okay, but you know, Antoine Winfield, you know, right. even the year before, was really a big thing for them. So, I do think that they're capable of competing, maybe winning a few of those games. I don't know that they have the juice to, to maybe go the distance to, to be 7-2 or 8-1 in the Big Ten. But I think that they could certainly be 500-plus in the Big Ten and end up with eight or nine wins. So they're a type of team that, yes, I think on any given Saturday they could beat an Iowa or Wisconsin. I don't know that they could just handle that throughout, uh, but I think they're a dangerous team nevertheless. Final thing for you, Scott Doctorman, joining us from The Athletic. Your colleague at The Athletic, Max Olson, last week had an article talking about the best overachievers and underachievers in college football. Iowa State, number one. Iowa, number two on the list of overachievers. Looking at the numbers, Iowa in the top ten in the country in the massing rankings over the last four years, and that number almost made me upset because it has not ended in a trip to Indianapolis. Does that say something, or is that just me being a grumpy old man? (laughs) Yeah, both. (laughs) Um, I I think it really does. I I do think that Iowa has left something on the table Mm -hmm. over the last few years. I would probably say the 2018 team was the one that did. Uh, when you have Hawkinson and Fant and you have Tristan Wirfs on offense and, and uh, you know, you have a semi-veteran quarterback and ascending wide receiving group, um, I think that was the year when Iowa really needed to punch through and just didn't. And that was, you know, late-game losses, you know, Penn State, and, you know, an interception on the goal line. There was always something that year. 
that kind of held them back, and, and they were really good teams. So I think, yes, you have every right to be a little disappointed with that. Uh, but I think it does show that they're a very competitive team, and they have been over the last few years, and, and they need to just continue to move in that direction. And, and I think it's a collective here about everybody getting better. I think it's, it's parents and the staff continuing to make adjustments and adapt to different things going on on the field. I think it's recruiting better players, and right now they're – you know, those statistics bear out that they're they punch above their weight class when it comes to that. But then this year, this summer, they're they're struggling in that area right now. Um, I won't go big picture on that. And then finally, you know, just being able to defensively maintain what they do because they do it really well. So I think they've got room to improve. But I, I agree with you on that regard, Trent. That they they did leave something on the table. They're very very close in 2019. Last year, they certainly were very close. And then in 18, I think, is when they really fizzled out when they should have. Scott Docterman from The Athletic Doc. Uh, great stuff. Uh, we appreciate your contribution, as always. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Thank you, Doc. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Scott Docterman from The Athletic. All right, Minnesota, what's their over-under? Do you, do you have that in front of you? Um, I'm sure, I'm you sure can I, can, somewhere. I can find it pretty quickly for the Gophers. I'm going to guess it is six and a half. I was now seven and a half. I was going to tick over. Yeah, I was seven more and a half is my guess in that range. All right, let's go here. Uh, college football is where the Gophers play this season. Hmm. We're talking about futures. We're looking for regular season wins as we go through the tabs. And are they alphabetical? No, they're going to make it really difficult here as I continue to scroll through and buy time. Uh huh. How am I doing? So far, so good. All right. I, you had me. I'm running out of steam here. Uh, let's say it's seven and a half. We'll go to the Condon Casino. I All think, right. I think that's a pretty good number. That's a good number, yep. All right, so they, uh, ready or not, uh, the season starts with the Buckeyes making their way to the Twin Cities. Oh, and one. Uh, Miami of Ohio. Win. At Colorado. Hmm. Win. Really? Mm. Okay. See, that game's on the Pac-12 network. Are we ever going to get the Pac-12 no. network? No. It'll be a different, something different Can you get Pac-12 network on Dish? I thought they, yes. I thought you could, right? But you can't get any of the Fox Sports anymore or anything like that. Well, Bally Sports now. Oh, they're off of yeah, there? Yeah, they're off of there. Oh, boy. That's mm-hmm. a blow to mm-hmm. Dish subscribers. And then Bowling Green. Win. Okay. Here's the Big Ten slate. Back to the Big Ten slate. Uh-huh. Uh, so you've got them. You've you've got them sweeping the non-con. You you've got them three and zero. Three and zero. All right. At Purdue, loss. Really? Okay. Home to Nebraska, loss. Three wins. Home to Maryland, win. Tougher squad. Four wins at Northwestern, win. Five. Home to Illinois, win. Six. At Iowa, loss. At Indiana. Loss. Home to Wisconsin. Loss. Six. At six, huh? Okay, so I gave him the Colorado. Yep. Didn't give him anything late. No, the 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 one I well Purdue the game's at Purdue. It's at Purdue. Yeah. David Bell is still there. Mm-hmm. And we know he's an All American against Iowa, just all Big Ten against everybody else. <laughs> yeah. But he's well, had his moments, so is he not? Oh. Uh, you have you have Nebraska beating Minnesota. Did I really like what they've done defensively? Nebraska. I, I do. I really, I know it's easy to crap on them because they've been a crappy program. It's uh-huh. easy to do. 
I think they are turning the corner. Do I you, think, do you think they're bowl I eligible yes. this year? And you keep seeing you struggle I to find six. Find six. Right there, there's one. Minnesota. Okay, let me. You let's can't do see this. them beat Minnesota. Yes, I can. Okay, um, but I, I don't know. All right, I will go. That's a toss-up game. All right, it is. here's Nebraska's schedule at Illinois. That, a toss-up game. Okay, so you want to put in the put, win column? Put in the win column. Fordham. <laughs> Buffalo. Yeah, they're, they're beating Buffalo. All right, I don't know. Okay, so you've got them at three wins. Yep. At Oklahoma. Loss. At Michigan State. Win. Four. Uh, home to Northwestern. Win. Five. At, uh, home to Michigan. They can win that game. What are you going to do? We'll give it a loss, though. Five at Minnesota. Win. There's six, and they still got they still got the Purdue. daunting. That's seven. See, they can get there. I think this is a seven and five. Team. And then they finish Ohio State at Whiskey, home to Iowa. I think Nebraska seven and five ish. I think so. They better be done by November, right? But that's not to say they could beat Iowa. Yes, and they've they, been within they absolutely. They have can. been within a kick yep. of winning the last what yep. four years now. Yep, that's a toss up game. And if they go eight and four, I'm not falling out of my chair. Mm-hmm. They absolutely can do that. Same thing with Minnesota. I don't think they're going to get the heights of a ten and two. Mm-hmm. But if they're eight and four again, I'm not going to be shocked. How big of a loss is going to Wandell Robinson going to be leaving the program? Because he was their offense last year. He was. I think Martinez is going to be better without looking over his shoulder, not having Dude, McCaffrey. McCaffrey's thing. gone. This is you your know job. What? That's not unfair. And this is your yeah. last chance. Do it. I think that's going to be a good thing for mm-hmm. Martinez. They don't have a lot. That wide receiver group, no, it's bad. But they got a pro in their secondary. Taylor Britt is a pro. Their linebacker crew is really good. I'd like to see a little bit more up front, but they're okay at the very least up there. That defense, especially from the beginning of 2019 to what we saw in the back half of last year, those were huge leap and bounds improvements from them. I think they're going to be good defensively, mm-hmm. good enough offensively. And this is the year, and I say it a lot, I would not be surprised at all if we see a three-way tie at 6-3 and three for the West Division. That wouldn't shock me in the least. And it might be Iowa-Wisconsin and one of these two teams we're talking about. Minnesota or, or Nebraska. Or Nebraska. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise no me one bit. No Northwestern? I don't think yeah, so. They, they've been built on the defense, and they were building to that defense that basically lost everybody mm-hmm. from a year ago. I think they got a rebuild in front of them. I think this is more likely... To be a three and nine Northwestern team as opposed to nine and three. All right, final segment coming up. Trent's play of the day. It's got to be the home run derby, right? <laughs> oh, don't worry. We got Gold Cup soccer. Of course we do. Watched a little U.S. Haiti last night. I was deep into the soccer. Uh, Miller and Condon back to wrap it up. It's Des Moines Sports Station fourteen sixty KX and oh. Trent Condon here with you. There's two kinds of rental property owners. The do-it-yourself guy and the renter's warehouse guy. You know DIY guy. He insists on handling everything himself, even if it makes him miserable. Renter's warehouse guys are a lot happier because they let my friends at renter's warehouse handle all their property management headaches. Like when a tenant clogs a crapper, DIY guy grabs a plunger, heads over, opens the lid, and nearly passes out. Renner's Warehouse guy, he lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. When tenants are late with rent, DIY guy interrupts his workday to call them, email them, text them, until he's wasted his entire day. While Renner's Warehouse guy lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. And when a tenant has an emergency at 3 in the morning, DIY guy has to roll out of bed and handle it himself. Because when you're a DIY landlord, your tenant's problems are always your problems. Renner's Warehouse guy, he sleeps soundly through the night. When it comes to your property management, let Renner's Warehouse handle it. Get your free 
rental price analysis at renterswarehouse.com today. That's renterswarehouse.com today or call 515-528-44. Wolf Roofing has learned a few things over the years. We understand that no one wants their home improvement project to drag on. So at Wolf Roofing, we plan for your project well before we set foot on site. As a result, most projects are done in one day. We also know... Quality is important in the big things like a proper installation and in the details like cleaning up well and using magnets to find stray nails. Find us on the web at wolfroofing.net or give us a call 225-88. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Point Sports Station, 1460 KX and 0106.3 on the FM dial. So Otani's three to one, Gallo four and a half to one, nine to two, Pete Alonso five to one, Matt Olson six, Salvi Perez eight, Soto eight, Story and Mancini rounded out. Um we've seen the hometown guy win it in the past. Yes. Trevor Story's twelve or is nine to one. That's where you're going? I can't pick the favorite. No, not at all. I'm, I'm right there somebody. with you. Uh, I'm going to be Matt Olson. That's going to be okay. where I'm going to put my money. Got him at plus 675. Oh, so he's come down a little bit. So it'll be a, a half unit play. I mentioned the Gold Cup, and I watched it maybe 10 minutes of the Americans last night. Uh, up next, they play Thursday night again. Their finale in their group will be against Canada. All right, there's something, right? Yeah. Uh, they play a country I never heard of. <laughs> what is and it? I, I felt like a complete moron. Uh, Martinique. I've heard of it. It's an island. Yeah, it's an island southeast of the Dominican. That's what I just found out here. But I saw it and I said to myself, who the hell is that? Where the hell is that? And now I found out. So they're always learning here. Well, you got to be careful because it seemed like uh, the, well, they're not the dream team, but this year's version of the dream team would roll over Nigeria on Saturday night. Did you get over to that at all? Yes, I did. Fran Fischilla was doing the game, so I I listened to Boy, he knows a lot. Yes, he does. International. International. He's He's strong. Big 12 and international hoops. That dude knows it inside and out. Really like Fran and that sequence late. So I I didn't see it late. It was ugly, and they're going to do this, right? They're going to overcome it, and never did. Well, the Dream Team got beat by a bunch of college kids before they went to, uh, to in but not, 92. But that was a scrimmage. True. There were people there. A lot of folks thought this was a scrimmage. It didn't turn out that way. Booker will be coming, though. Middleton. Can't hurt. Helps on its way. Although the Booker that we've seen the last two nights, That's they can true. leave him home. Uh, Murph and Andy in an hour and five minutes. The Fanatics, you're part of it today for an hour? Yeah, I'll be on at 3 o'clock with Chris. Good stuff. Have the Enjoy the rest of your day. We're Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.